0: All right, wherever you are, if you will take a moment and find your Bible, uh, either open it up or turn it on with me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 41 through 47. I, I want you to mentally leave your house today. Uh, don't worry. It's kind of like riding a bike. You can do it. Uh, I know you may have forgotten what it feels like, but you can do it. But go back in time with me about two thousand years to the Jerusalem Church. Now, when we arrive at Acts chapter two, Jesus has already died on the cross. He has already risen again. He has already ascended back into heaven, and so the early church is beginning to form. and And during Jesus' earthly ministry. There was really only one organization, and I would actually call it more than an organization. It's a a movement that Jesus actually started, and that was the church. And so there was this big day, we call it the day of Pentecost, when when, when the Apostle Peter preached, and and 3,000 people, catch that, 3,000 people believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and were baptized. So to put that into our modern language, the Jerusalem church received over 300,000 views on their live stream, and everything just went absolutely viral. This little group of believers, suddenly everything just blew up. Can you imagine trying to baptize 3,000 new believers? Now let's think about how would we baptize 3,000 new believers in the age of social distancing? Someone has suggested we might have to use a dunk tank in order to baptize them that way. Uh, But 3,000 people placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 3,000 people began a never-ending relationship with God that was grounded in grace, secured in His power, and and driven by His Holy Spirit. So imagine yourself 2,000 years ago in the midst of this awakening. Can you imagine what you might be feeling in the midst of such an awakening? In fact, if you're able to, just go ahead and comment. How would, how would you feel if you were in the midst of an awakening of God like this? Now, surprisingly, it's actually a lot easier than you may think to imagine yourself there because this early church in Jerusalem actually found themselves in isolation. They were socially quarantined. Because they had trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, it meant that they were going to be isolated from a lot of their family and friends. Suddenly, they were weird people. They didn't fit in. They they didn't think like everybody else. They believed in a suffering Messiah who desired to transform not the political system, but He desired to transform the heart. They were socially quarantined. Secondly, they were economically quarantined. Their faith in Jesus Christ meant that some of them would lose their jobs. It was very difficult to do well financially and be a believer in Jesus for this early church. And then thirdly, they were legally quarantined. The Romans Romans didn't allow new religions. The Jews were allowed to practice Judaism because it was pre-existing. However, this new way, Christianity, it was against the law. So I told you you could relate because that's how many of us feel right now. Socially quarantined, maybe economically quarantined. You can't go to work. You can't do some of the things that you want to do to provide for your family. And perhaps to an extent, even legally quarantined. There were limitations on our live stream today. We can only have 10 people in the the production process, and so we weren't able to do some of the things that we normally want to do. My oldest, Karis, was uh, studying the bubonic plague and what that was like, and so she and I were talking the other day, and, and she said, I wonder if centuries from now, kids will be studying us as we go through this Coronavirus seems like every generation, early on in their adulthood, has kind of that that big moment. The greatest generation had World War II. If you're a baby boomer, any baby boomer's watching. If you're a baby boomer, you had the Kennedy assassination. You had the the uh, the uh, moon landing. You had the the Cold War. If you're a Gen Xer, early on in our adulthood, we had nine eleven. And now millennials, as you get older, you're going to remember that early on in your adulthood, you had, you had this coronavirus uh, season where we were socially isolated. And the Jerusalem church was completely isolated, yet the power of their message and the sincerity of their lives created a pandemic of hope. So great, so expansive, that 20 or 2,000 years later, we're still talking about its impact. We're still changed because of it. So let's look at them for a few minutes and discover what was so unique about their story, okay? Grab your Bibles as you're, as you're sitting at home right now, wherever you might be, just go ahead and grab your Bibles and look with me here. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. And then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common, so much so that they sold their possessions and property, and they distributed the proceeds to all, as anyone had a need every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house they ate their food with a joyful and humble humble attitude praising God and having favor with all the people and then notice how their story ends the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved Now, look at that passage with me, and if you would just take some time to comment on two or three things about this church that really stand out to you. Just read through these verses, scan through them in your mind, and just just find two or three things about this church that really jump out at you. As I was wrestling with the passage this week and and looking through it, here's, here's the one thing that really grabbed me and just won't let go. And that is that this church cared. They cared. You see, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. Apathy would be a lack of enthusiasm, care, concern. You're just apathetic. And it, I think sometimes in the Google iPhone age, there has been an alarming decrease of empathy and an alarming increase in apathy. I haven't gotten my little mind around it exactly why that happens sometimes but it seems as though we, we we tend to build some walls around us i mean look at some of the ways that we live we have our privacy fences our locks uh, you know doors everywhere and, and gates and stuff that are locked and so we tend to isolate ourselves and if we're not careful we'll begin to lose our empathy and apathy will move in and take up residence in our heart so let me ask you this question do you care do you care are you a caring person do you feel do you care about the feelings of of others are you able to bring enthusiasm encouragement are you able to bring care and concern to people's lives now i want you to notice three ways that this jerusalem church cared they cared about god they cared about one another, and they cared about others. They cared about God, they cared about one another, and they cared about others. About seven years ago, we had an all-church night at the Frisco Rough Riders game. And so at the time, my, we just had the two girls, I believe, and they were very, very small, maybe five and three. And uh, earlier in the summer, we had taken them to a Rangers baseball game. We had gotten some free tickets to the Ranger game, and so we were excited. Somehow it still wound up costing me over $100 because they all wound up with matching Rangers t-shirts somehow, but we had taken them earlier in the summer to the Rangers baseball game, and they were bored stiff. So we told them, hey, we're going to the Rough Rider game, and they weren't exactly excited. But when we got there, it was an entirely different story, and there were two things that really appealed to them. Number one, they had unlimited snacks as many hot dogs as you want. They could just take you in. Number two, they had a playground. And so that night, we left, I think it was in the ninth inning whenever we were leaving the game. And I I remember one of them had a foam finger and they were all excited. And as we were leaving, they were chanting, let's go Rangers, let's go. I kept saying it's the Rough Riders and they'd say, let's go Rangers, let's go. They hadn't really watched an inning of baseball. (laughs) But we get in the car and they go, Dad, that was so much fun. The Rough Riders are so much better than the Rangers. (laughs) They had had a ball, even though they hadn't watched any baseball. Unfortunately, that's how some of us are when it comes to church. You know, it's possible to attend church for many, many years. You, You enjoy the music. You enjoy your friends. You like the events and the various things that we do. You enjoy children's ministry, student ministry. You love love church. You love people, but you don't really love Jesus. And it's an absolute tragedy of compassion to reduce the church to a social club with humanitarian tendencies. And how would you feel if, if you went to the doctor because you were exhibiting symptoms of the coronavirus And you went in there, and you were really concerned about your life, and you were concerned about what was going on, and you sit in his office, and he offers you a casserole. And that's not what you need. You don't need a casserole. You need something that really brings healing to your body. And I want you to notice about this early church in Jerusalem, they cared about the things of God. They were spiritually minded. In verse 41, you'll see that they were sharing the gospel. They were inviting people to come and be saved. They were seeing people get saved. 3,000 new believers. In verse 42, you'll see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were spending every day, they were spending time every day in the truth of God. They were celebrating the Lord's Supper, and they were praying for one another. Praying for one another is one of the ways that we care. In verse 43, you'll see that they had a holy fear of God and His power, and and, and they were seeing God do great miracles. Catch this now, okay? The foundation of a caring church is a deep love for God. When we begin to sense how much God loves us undeservingly, that then propels us, changes us, transforms us so that we might love others. If we try to be caring just in and of ourselves and say, okay, this will take us to God, that doesn't work that way. It begins with our walk with God. It begins with our understanding of God. And then He transforms us into the people He's called us and created us to be. Now notice, In verse 44, the scriptures say, teach us how they cared about one another. The Bible says, now all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. So much so that they sold their possessions and property, and they distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they would devote themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house, and they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts so they cared about God and they cared about one another you see in verse 44 they had unity they were together they were on the same page they knew why it was that they worshiped they knew that they were going through life together they were in it together they didn't have hardly anything but one thing that they did have was each other in verse 45 You see that when things got really rough, they literally were willing to sell possessions to make sure that each other was cared for. And in verse 46, they literally broke their bread from house to house. I have a confession to make. Uh, I like wheat bread. I like wheat bread. So how do you like your bread? Are you a, a wheat bread person? Are you a white bread person? Are you like a honey wheat person? How, what's, what, what's your combination of, of bread? Everybody has one. I actually like 100% whole wheat. Now I know this, if, if you take an online poll here while I'm talking, I'm going to be in the minority. And the reason why I know this is because the other day I went to Walmart. And I went to the bread section, and as I was going through the bread section, I, I noticed that, that the only bread that was on the shelves was whole wheat. I was like, praise Jesus, I have, I have as much bread as I possibly can want. Now imagine if you only have one loaf of bread, that's it, you have one loaf of bread. Now, this particular idea of they broke bread from house to house has often been used as a way to say, well, they... They did cookouts together, and they went to Chili's together, and they, 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 they did these huge meals. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's not what it's saying, but if you really dive down into it, they broke their bread. They had one loaf of bread, and rather than deciding, okay, I'm going to take this, they went from house to house, and they broke their bread, and they gave it to each other so that one another could Eat. They didn't have anything. But there were two things that the Scriptures say they absolutely had. They had joy and they had sincere hearts. Joy and sincere hearts. And out of that, there became this contagious quality about their faith. They began drawing people to the cross of Jesus Christ. The Scripture says that they would live their life praising God. And they had the favor of all the people. You see, even though people in Jerusalem didn't understand them, even though they might have seemed a little bit weird, they couldn't deny the fact that there was something going on within them that gave them a joy, and there was a contagious factor to their life. And people looked at them and said, Man, I'm not sure what's going on with them, but whatever they have, I want that. And every day, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. The church was growing every single day because people were coming to the understanding that they needed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what was growing the church. That's what was increasing the number, was their faith in Jesus Christ. They cared about others. So they cared about God, they cared about one another, and they cared about others. We live in a really nice community. This Murphy, Wiley, Saxe, Richardson, Plano, garland what city are you in just go ahead and shout it out right now because i'm sure i missed it so just go ahead and comment what city are you in if i missed it they're nice communities everybody wants to live here we we get listed in the top 10 places of to live in the u.s those kind of things some of us have 3,000 square foot homes. We have nice cars that, that run. We get to go on vacation, summer camps. Uh, get to eat out. I, I remember when we moved to the Murphy area, one of the things that really just blew me away was that McDonald's had chandeliers. I was like, this, 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 I'm not used to this, but in this area where we live, it's all normal. Well, at least it was. We enjoyed our community in all this. And sometimes the roar of the engine, the sparkle of the diamond, the calm of the upcoming vacation, the dreams that we have for our children, for some of us, that's, that's all that we have. And so when the kids leave, the engine shuts down, when the diamond loses its luster, when the vacation end, ends, when the dream becomes a nightmare, all that's left is a lot of emptiness. I want you to realize this during this time, because I think it's really easy to put the camera on ourselves and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I need, this is what I want, but I want you to realize this, that there are people in your family, there are neighbors that live around you, there are people that you work with, and, and they're not okay. They are really struggling right now. Behind every beautiful Facebook picture, there's always a hurting soul. And this is a time where the church needs to care about the things of God. We need to care about one another. And we desperately need to care about others. And so this this is my challenge to you this week. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here's what I'm challenging you to do. Look for opportunities to care to be very, very intentional, to look for opportunities to care. So last Sunday, we finish up live stream. I go home, I, I check my email, and I have a, a great email from my next door neighbor. He was just checking on us. Here's, here's what he wrote. He said, Hi Lash, we're dropping a line to check in with you, Stacy, and the family. Hope you're coping well with all these days of global medical crisis and pray for your health and well-being. We're doing well so far. We haven't fallen short of real needs. We're making every effort to be careful, not just for us, but because my wife's mom lives with us and she's 83 with pre-existing COPD. Let us know if you're in need and if we can be helpful. We've been having Sunday morning streaming church services and I assume you're doing something similar for your church family stay strong in mind, body, and and the Spirit of the Lord regards. That meant the world to me. One of my neighbors just checked on me. And so here's, here's my challenge for you this week, to check on people, to care for people. Send an email to some of the people that you work with, or maybe friends that you have, maybe your neighbors. Just check on them. Send something like my friend sent to me. How are you doing? This is what's going on in our life. What's going on in your life? Can we be of help for you? Can we pray for you? This is a time to encourage one another. So I, I would challenge you that every day to have at least five care touches. People that you call, people that you text, uh, maybe someone that you say, we, uh, so my, my kids were missing their friends, so some of their moms got together and scheduled a Zoom conference so that they could see their friends. Just do something every day that shows that you care about people. This isolated, quarantine church has had a two-thousand-year, twenty-century impact. Why is that? Why did they have such an impact? Because they cared about God. They cared about one another. And they cared about others. And their legacy, the passage begins and ends with the same thing. At the beginning of the passage, 3,000 new believers. At the end of the passage, every day, people were getting saved and coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So before I close today, I just want to ask you this question Has there ever been a time in your life when you've been saved? You say, What do you mean? be saved. That's the beginning point of a relationship with God. It's when we bow the knee acknowledging to God that we are not Him, that we need His forgiveness. We place our faith, we place our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And we ask God to invade our heart and to change us from the inside out so that we might follow Him every day of our lives and live with Him forever and ever. Has there ever been that time in your life when you were saved? And if there hasn't been that time, I would invite you to make this your moment. Would you bow your head with me wherever you are? Um, I know some of you as families are gathered in living rooms right now. Some of you may be around the table. You might even just be by yourself right now watching on a device. Just take a moment, breathe deeply, and pause. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then Paul and Richard are going to lead us in some more music. And I would just encourage you to make this a holy moment. If you're that person that needs to be saved today, take that, this moment to just call out to God and say, God, save me. I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for everyone that is watching. I pray that Your blessing might be upon them. I pray that they will feel Your arms of comfort around them, that a, a legion of protection will surround their home. I ask, Lord, that You will grant us health, healing, and Lord, may we have joy in our heart, sincerity in our spirit. I pray, Father, that we might truly care about the things of God, Lord, if we have become apathetic towards those things which set our minds on those things that are above, if we have become apathetic about the things of God, Lord, ignite within us our passions to know You and to walk with You and to praise You. Father, I ask that we might love one another. I thank You, Lord, that even as we are apart from each other today, that I see love for one another pouring out through our keyboards and just through words of encouragement and hope that people are sharing with each other. I ask Lord though that it won't, be, it won't be an us and no more. May we not be walled off, but Lord may we pour out into our communities and into our world the message of the Gospel. The message of hope, the message of new beginnings. And I pray that our own church might have a legacy that says the Lord is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. Thank You for this church. Thank You for all those that are watching. I pray that they might know of My love for them. But I ask that beyond that, they might know of Your great, all-powerful love. And Lord, we pray That even in these times that we don't understand, that we might see an awakening of the power of God that is so great. That generations from now, we talk about how in 2020, God moved. And God did what only God could do so that His people were in awe of His power. And hearts were changed marriage is healed family strengthened and a new awakening began father we pray for your presence and blessing in jesus name amen